Tuesday morning and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And today we're going to be talking about a subject near and dear to all our hearts. And that is not compromising with communists. I did a, a, a newsletter announcing this program with David. I got a little off subject to January 6th, but it's all tied together. We keep hearing how we need to compromise. We need to compromise. No, we don't. Compromising with a communist is being a communist because they understand only one thing, that's absolute power, absolute control, and they won't stop until they get exactly what they want. Therefore, the wise man says, you don't compromise with absolute uh, sinful insanity. You do not compromise. And that's exactly where we're going today. David, I, I love you, buddy. You're doing you're doing marvelous work. And I know you get a little, uh, at times you get a little despondent by the fact that it uh, seems like people let things kind of roll off their back. And they, they tend to be uh, really, really quick at uh, saying, well, I can't do a whole lot. I'm going to just back off and I'll watch what happens. That's not the case anymore, and I think we're winning this battle because we're not going to compromise. We are not going to play the game of the communists. We are going to stand up for the freedom and liberty that this country represents, and we're sick and tired of the BS, and we're going to start kicking some serious butt here. What do you think, buddy? Man, I think that's a wrap, bro. That's a great show <laughs> right there. <laughs> no, seriously, you know, I think you're right, man. Don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, I, I think we can take it back to Nancy Reagan and just say no about that. And I think Trump shows that more than anybody, you know, by, by increasing tariffs on countries and things instead of, you know, submitting. He doubles down a lot of times to show that, you know, we're not here to play games about things like freedom. And, and you can't compromise with communists about anything. We've seen this, you know, proverbial slippery slope you know, slip us off into oblivion, you know, and, and when you think about our founding fathers and the times of the early Americans, we're much more free than we are today. We're taxed on everything under the sun twice. And, you know, to me, that that's a telltale sign that that we work for them. This is just the new slavery. I don't think people really understand, you know, especially with the uh, uh, J6ers, you know, as we always go back to, 
You know, if you ask a J6er if we have freedom in America, they'll tell you a different story than if you ask someone that's still sitting at the coffee shop, enjoying their internet service, drinking their latte, talking to their friends. It's a different experience depending on where you are in speaking out against your government and the authoritarian control that they've put on us, Dan. We talk about that all the time. And, and we saw it through COVID. And if that didn't wake people up to what the government will do to you and then supposedly ask for permission later, but they don't, I mean, forgiveness later, but they don't really care about forgiveness. They do as they please and at our expense. So for me, you know, that that's the just say no, the don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, they asked Trump to go over to the front lines over there, old Zelensky, and and I would say that looks like a trap. I would not go there with that guy for anything, and uh, not negotiate with him. Hey, if you stop what you're doing, maybe I'll come over and talk to you on my terms. But you know, it's it's a real cat and mouse game, especially politics right now. Election time, we've seen every narrative get hijacked for the election for political points and posturing and posing. And, and it's the same same people. We have to understand, you know, a couple of years ago, they were reelected in some offices. They were already complicit, you know, with the murders of Americans. They already knew what happened and hadn't said anything and were reelected into office when they should have already probably been sitting in jail, at least for a little while. And, and this is where we are. Americans just don't know. That's the frustrating part because it's the small percentages, Dan. It's the small numbers. Yeah, we're waking people up, but it's one at a time. Mm -hmm. We don't have the reach like a Tucker Carlson or someone, you know, when we get graced to be on someone's show like that, um, you know, it's that 15 minute cycle and then it's over. And and there's not a whole lot of follow up for people. They're interested in the convoys and the borders and the north and the south and, you know, the civil war and, you know, technology and the Internet. They, they have so many things to be distracted by. And, you know, we're entertained into oblivion. Anyway, rant over. <laughs> well, no. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, Rob Nadelson, who is a gentleman that I've met, I, I know a little bit from uh, Montana. He was a professor of uh, the School of Law at the University of Montana. And uh, he's now a senior fellow at the Independent Institute in uh, Denver, Colorado, and actually it's Golden. I used to be a member of that organization years and years ago when I lived down there. But anyway, uh, Rob wrote a great article for the Epoch Times that was out this weekend. And I'm going to get Rob on our program to talk with us about it. But he said, who are the elite extreme left? And he identified them because they only make up less than 1% of the U.S. population. And uh, who are they? Well, they and we can describe them by three very distinct things. They're uh, very urban, okay? They, they, they are the ones that uh, talk about the rest of us living in flyover country, uh, usually on the, the least or the left coast, uh, one of the two. Uh, sometimes in Chicago, which is pretty least too. But uh, anyway, they hold postgraduate degrees. Most of them are overeducated idiots, useful idiots. And uh, the, the third thing is that they're relatively wealthy, and they were usually born into that wealth. Uh, usually they didn't earn it because most of them 
Uh, if they happen to get lucky and be a Jeff Bezos or something like that, they came for money to begin with. They had some money to get started with something and uh, technology. They just happened to get lucky and hit uh, the sweet spot at the right time. I mean, give them, give them credit. They're entrepreneurs. They're smart. But uh, bottom line is, they were uh, they're creatures that uh, got their start through luck and through having financial and family connections, and uh, now they're the ones that are circulating all the nonsense that we're living with. And uh, you know, I like people that actually do something like yourself. Uh, you know, that make a living because we understand what it is to get our hands dirty. We understand what it is to, to work for a living. And most of these people have never had to struggle with that. No, uh, it's, I got to tell you, man, last night, uh, you know, this, these are some of the things that we, that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, Dan, you notice well as I do. I was, I was uh, walking across the bedroom yesterday evening and my wife said, "What what happened to your head?" I said, "What are you What are you talking about?" She said, "Turn turn around and and I turn around." She said, "That's not a bald spot." I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "You're the side. You have a white spot on your head." Of course, I had turned my head at the job site and got it on the wall, fresh fresh white paint. So I had a white circle <laughs> on, on my head and wore it home. Of course, it looked like I had a white. Then it was so funny, but you know, working for a living, doing what we do every day, and and still trying to you know, wake people up and show them the truth. I mean, it's, it's kingdom business, Dan, you know, it as well as I do it. Yeah, sure. America freedom. Yeah. But where else would you have to share the gospel the way that we can do that? If America wasn't here, Christianity is going to take a hit too. So, I mean, it, it's really hand in hand for us. And I know kingdom business, kingdom work, a lot of people, uh, I don't know, I guess they conflate the two or, or, or chase different reasons, I guess, for what they do. But for me, it all comes back to the kingdom. And, you know, of course, uh, I think Jesus set the precedent for freedom. It, you know, all this governmental freedom and freedom of speech and all these things, you know, are, are far second to the freedom that you find in Christ Jesus. We know this and, and trying to share that message in any other environment would be so much more difficult. America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, all that should be the poster child for evangelism, for reaching people. And yet we send missionaries to other countries around the world as we suffer here at home. As long as you don't mess with my 501c3, you know, mm -hmm. we'll gladly go somewhere else, Mexico, whatever. And and there's so much work to do here. And, and I think, you know, for, for yourself and me and, and other people that are on, I guess, our level, because we're definitely not top tier, we're more ministerial, I, I think, you know, ministers, then, then we care about, you know, a following or a, a big, you know, platform or whatnot. But I find it very interesting how, how God places us, the people that we've met, the people that we, you know, have conversations with. And, and, and really it's not to brag, it's to know and, and to show yourself well-proven and to study and do all the things biblically. But, you know, I had that opportunity to go on Tucker uh, you know, a couple months ago, I guess it hadn't been very long and, uh, you know, very interesting. It was a, a long interview, 20 something minutes, I guess. Um, you know, the first time I was on, there was a minute and a half. We talked about the American Gulag Chronicles book, the first book letters from prison. Um, 
we need help with that as well. If anybody can go to lettersfromprison.us, we have our second book, The Art of Confinement is out. And let me tell you, it's an amazing, amazing second book follow-up. Hopefully the last, we don't want to keep doing this. We want people free. But the Tucker experience was was interesting because he posts everything that he does on Twitter, you know, on X. Mm-hmm. And and most of those interviews, like the Clay Higgins right before mine, he posted the entire interview on his social media on X. Tucker posted it. Um, but for some reason, my interview, he did the monologue, 10 minutes. I said one statement and they cut it off there and put that on X and put the remainder of the 20 minutes uh, on on his paywall, you know, on Tucker Carlson Network, which that's fine. I understand. But then the one after me was totally public. The one after that, you know, so I'm, it's curious to me to see, you know, how that reach, you know, we get these blessed, you know, uh, relationships and opportunities to to do something like Tucker Carlson. And, you know, I was on just a couple of shows before he interviewed Putin. I mean, that's historic in itself to know that what he's talking about, the guests that he has on his show, and it's not about me, it's about what's important to America, what's important to our future, and nobody's putting a light on that like Tucker Carlson. So I suggest people go find that interview with me about the J6 True Timeline movie. It's a very important movie. He said that you know he believes everyone in America should see that. It should be the most popular movie in America, and yet it's not. Short story about that. We put it out on X and we went up to 2 million views in two days. And then the leftists found it and saw it and started complaining and doing what they do. And they censored it and they put labels on it. So it stopped the growth. It stopped it from going viral. And then Tucker put the interview with me out, which shows four different, three different scenes, I guess, from the movie. And he put that, it got 3.7 million views twice as many almost as our documentary but he cut it off before i said where to find the film or how to support Mm -hmm. j6ers or anything so it kind of stalled it and you know you look at these things and and of course i believe tucker's a good guy doing good things for the right reasons Mm -hmm. but there's still censorship dan and i don't understand how they wouldn't put that public if it's that important people should maybe they should hear the interview and then i think well what was it that I said? And it was the one line that comes to mind that that just is to me the one that probably made the the interview be hidden. I said this was our Tiananmen Square, you know, where the government, you know, killed innocent protesters, mm-hmm. blamed the protesters, imprisoned them, and tried to use the media to sweep it under the rug. And and I believe that might be a little too early for the public to hear. And to understand, I think maybe that's being held back for Trump for the election for his talking points, Hmm. because so much has been hidden to this point about the deaths, about what really happened, about the police brutality. And I just know as it's been hijacked for the election, the closer we get, the more details come out. And I think that line we may hear again from somebody really important that's already using our other work. He's calling them J6 hostages. And and that to me is so encouraging to know that the very highest people that are in the most powerful positions are seeing our talking points. 
So mm-hmm. it's encouraging. And that's all due to the J6 community itself. Nobody's helped aside from you and a handful of other people. It's not been the big voices. It's not been the the senators and congressmen, the people that should be helping. And, you know, the people that work across the street from the court that could go in the cases and listen. And they don't help us. You know, they sit in their little chambers and go eat lunch together in their suits and dodge reporters while our people go through these trials by themselves with no support or little support. And we just keep beating this drum, you know, and three years later, man, people are tired. The suicides, the family destruction daily. We just see more arrests every week. And people understand that now the reason they want 2000 more arrests, you know, we're up to over 1300. They want the same numbers as nine 11 or Pearl Harbor. So they can say that it was that terrible of an event they have to have that comparison so that you know the 1300 arrests and and climbing every single day and and people they have to say enough's enough they have to say we have to stop this and the only way to do that is to get into these courts and see what these judges are actually saying about these people the prejudice uh, of these you know supposed judges that are supposed to be non-biased and listen to the facts. They don't. They come in, they say, I'm not letting any Trumpers through mine. You know, that these are statements these guys make, but people don't know. The reporters aren't in there. You know, we've got a handful of friends that go to as many trials as they can, including Ashley Babbitt's mom and, and uh, you know, Mickey or Nicole Reffitt. Um, there's just a handful of people that still, mm-hmm. you know, are active to do that. And, and it's sad that there's not a full courtroom every single trial with Americans and they're witnessing what the fellow Americans that stood for them are suffering through. And I don't care what you call them hostages or prisoners or bad guys. I don't care what you think. Go watch, go see for yourself the travesty of justice and not being able to use your first amendment in in your case. You can't use your freedom of speech or the right to assemble, or the right to address your grievances, or the freedom of the press. You can't use any of that in your defense. They, that's the first motion. You cannot mention the First Amendment. So what? You're supposed to defend yourself against what? Their accusations that we have you on video. You were there, so you were there to overthrow the government. Now defend against that. And it's impossible. Mm-hmm. That's why they have a 99.4% kill rate. And and it's not going to stop. It's not going to mm-hmm. stop. No, you're right. It, uh, it It is exactly like you described, but one thing I will say, David, is that uh, it's a blessing. Everything that they're doing, even though they seem to think they have the high ground on all this and that they're going to control the narrative, everything they're doing is increasing the exposure that they're facing, and uh, it's increasing the exposure that these people really are the criminals. We need to straighten out our system of government for one very important reason. It doesn't exist like our founders envisioned it, even remotely. What we've got now is a just us system that's designed to protect the status quo of the uh, so-called uh, establishment uh, that he happens to be occupying the swap in Washington. You know? That's exactly right. Hey, we're yeah. it's the new slaves, Dan, and I, mm-hmm. I don't use that phrase loosely. 
I mean, look, they have complete control. I was talking to uh, my wife about this insurance company, and the insurance company now has taken it upon itself to in-house, which is an old thing they did in the beginning, to in-house the approvals. So in other words, if you're in this this insurance, then they decide if you get the kidney, they decide if you get the treatment, they decide it's according to their, but doesn't that seem like a conflict of interest? They're budgeting, oh, let's keep the cost down, let Fred, Frank, and Mary go, because they're going to be like $300,000 each, so let them die, save us a million bucks, mm -hmm. and uh, you know our bottom line, we're, we're trying to cut costs, we're, where can we cut costs? That's a business for you, not not humanitarian care, so I worry about the future of you know companies like that that would you know maybe squander your care to save their profit, and yet that's slavery, man. Look, I'm going to give you 40 acres and a mule. Somebody else might give 60 acres and two mules. <laughs> Somebody else might give half a mule, and you have to eat it quick or it'll turn on you. You know, I mean, so that that's one of those things that we don't understand it because we have the illusion. You know, Trennis Evans, my buddy from Condemned USA, always says, if, as long as you have your T-ball, your soccer, and your Applebee's, you know, and your nine to five, you know, you do your Monday through Friday, you get the weekend off, go to church, you look like you're doing your thing. And that's the biggest illusion, man. People just go for it. As, they have a hobby, they have an interest, and they're just trying to get through life, man. They're just trying to survive until you look around and see your air is poisoned and your food's poisoned and your water's poisoned and your vote's stolen and your freedom is slipping away to a point to where, is it already too late? Mm -hmm. Is the world system already too big and the grasp is too tight and they're already starting the the deaths? I don't, I don't see because a lot of people still believe COVID the way it was sold by the media or mm -hmm. the way it was sold by Fauci or the way it was sold by Biden yesterday, you know, whatever it is. And they're still not awake. So it worries me that our small percentage, our finding them one by one, isn't just going to make as big a difference as we want. But I think the Bible is pretty specific, Dan. And I think we've covered this. Many will be deceived. Not mm -hmm. a few, not a couple, not a handful. Many. Many's probably mm -hmm. more than half. So, I mean, that's part of it. And I, I hate that for people. I'm just trying to wake them up and give them a chance, a fighting chance to say, hey, I don't like what's going on. I'd rather be proactive than reactive. I'd like to get involved locally in my local politics, try to have some power back, some control of my local community so it can grow from there, not from the top down, but from the bottom up. And, and I see that as our last bastion of hope, like our constitutionally elected sheriffs. I'm still looking for one that will protect a J6er from an FBI raid. I think mm -hmm. it would be an interesting match because legally that's what the sheriff's there to do is to protect his citizenry from even a tyrannical government. So he holds the, the position of power there, but would a sheriff stand you know, against the FBI and say, if you come here for my people, I will arrest you. We will seek, you know, pursue charges, whatever. But we need to find out who's going to protect Americans if anyone is. Because if, you know, the sheriff's department would rather have those big equipment, you know, machines and guns and shields and gear and stuff, they're willing to let some of this slide, then maybe they're not our friends either. Maybe we need to start looking at, you know, other, other, other sources of protection. And, you know, there's just no place to go, man. I, I think everybody looks at it and says, where can we leave? Where can we move to? Where's this exodus going, you know, going to take us? And, and I think it's here. I think we have to 
you know, explore ways to take back the land that we live on and, and get reacclimated with it. How many people don't even know what the land looks like because they live in the city so much and they're totally disconnected from nature. They, they don't really understand animals or, or anything that has to do with God's creation anymore. They're, they've been intentionally removed and placed in their computerized environment of, of whatever it is. And we're all guilty of, you know, spending too much time there, I'm sure, but it's such a necessary part of the world. Where do you draw the line? Where do you make the switch? And a lot of confusion, man. And, and that's what the devil's the best at. And, I, and you know, I can't think of a better example than where we are politically right now. How did we get here? Everybody's looking around like, what happened? And, and you know, who's going to be really running because it's not going to be Biden. And and then, you know, is it going to be Obama? Is it going to be Clinton? Is it going to be a double ticket? You know, there's so much fear. And yet God's not up there wringing his hands, worried. We just have to figure mm -hmm. out, are we going to get saved or are we going to get a spanking? Because yeah. we probably deserve a spanking and, and hopefully we'll be saved. But, mm -hmm. you know, where is this in our history? Looking back, where is it? you know, in our future, looking forward, what does this mean to us as a people? And, you know, are we going to get back to the basics, back to God, you know, and back together? Or are we going to do this whole BS civil war, stupid thing that nobody really wants that the government keeps saying is going to happen. And yet people are looking at each other like I, civil war means between people. Mm -hmm. they, we're, we're not that mad at the people. If you remove the, 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 the situation that they're in, they're just people mm -hmm. just like us. Everybody gets duped. I've had my pants pulled down like everybody else. You know what I mean? It, it, it's there's grace that we're missing. We're 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 not extending that, and that's on us, man. That's mm -hmm. has to change. Yeah. No, you're right, uh, David. But but one thing that we we really need to deal with is is the fear thing. People are afraid. They need to quit being afraid. And, and start being a little more concerned about being righteous, about being truthful, about being honest, and about upholding truth and honesty and integrity and making government accountable. And that's all we're talking about. But, you know, I look at it this way. You, you as an individual, you have one responsibility and in, in that. Well, other than being a good Christian man, you have a responsibility to take care of your family, okay? And to witness to your family, to provide the kind of example that your family wants to do themselves. Well, in the process of doing that, uh, oftentimes the individual has to go out on the limb a little bit and look a little bit like, uh, quote unquote, a conspiracy theorist. Uh, you know, the problem is, is we're not no longer talking conspiracy at all. Uh, we're talking outright theft is what's going on right now. But anyway, I'm I'm getting a little off point. The other part of that is that you, as an individual, if you bring one other person into the fold, and that one other person brings one other person into the fold, and that person brings another into the fold, everything grows exponentially. And I think as Americans, we need to understand we have gone so much further 
than we actually realize. I think now that my, my honest opinion, I think there's close to 20% of Americans that are uh, starting to get it. I mean, that's a huge number. It is. When you look back at the fact that five years ago, that might have been two or 3%, you know? We've come a long way. And, and my point is, every movement grows exponentially. That's the idea of the pendulum swinging back and forth. And uh, everything grows exponentially. So if we're at 20% today, um, a year from now, we'll be at 40%. Uh, two years from now, we'll be at 80%. I mean, it works that way. And so I, I do believe that we are on the right side of the whole issue and we're doing the right thing. We just need to be patient and we need to get on our hands and knees occasionally and thank our Lord for the blessings he gives us. Because like you say, we're we're not the, the you know, we don't have 10 million listeners. We aren't a, a uh, uh, Alex Jones or somebody like that or a Tucker Carlson. But we do have a lot of dedicated listeners, and they're all over the world because I hear from them uh, literally all over the world, the, the English-speaking people. And all I can say is that, man, what a blessing we, we've got when God will give us that kind of reach and that kind of power. So right. we need to be thankful. That's, I guess that's the bottom line. Man, I love that you said that. We went through a really horrible uh, court case a week ago. The Middletons, Mark and Jalice, uh, they're, they're high school sweethearts, man, been together forever. You know, they're uh, in their 50s now. And and so long relationships, sweethearts, you know, super Christian couple, just, just great folks from Texas. Of course, they're going to be great. And, uh, you know, they had their whole court case now. The J6ers, they were down at the front on the west side, literally praying, you know, praying with their heads down and their eyes closed. When the police started beating on them with sticks, uh, they opened their eyes, you know, reacted and were charged with assault. And and uh, literally, it's a horrible, horrible story. And we were trying to find the bright spot, the bright spot in that story, because, you know, they're, they're looking at 50 years each worth of charges you know, served consecutively. I'm sure it's 15, 20 year sentence if they're, you know, uh, sentenced that long. And they were both convicted and found guilty, even though the, the video evidence was there that showed them standing, showed the police grab her and try to pull her by the scarf. And Mark's just reaching out, pulling her back. You know, it was just crazy scene. Uh, they definitely weren't attacking anybody. They proved that in court. Didn't matter. The jury still said, you're all going to jail. You're guilty on all counts really sad. So it's hard to find the wins in that. But, you know, that's what the Bible tells us in all things, give thanks. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of the things we're learning that, you know, some of the guys that go through this prison thing, treat it like a mission trip, you know, and I had to ask the group, you know, if God sent you to Japan, would you go to Japan? If they sent you to Africa, would you go there or Brazil or, you know, the UK, if God sent you on a mission trip, would you go where he asked you to go? Well, yeah. Well, would you go to prison? That's a tough one, but it's another place. And there's somebody there that you're supposed to minister to or whatever the reason or your experience or you're going through it or you're going to come out and be a prison reform advocate or you're going to witness to the warden. I don't know what it is, you know, to grow you, to change you, to make you. I mean, there's all those different things that that God lets us experience things for. So giving thanks is so important. 
And, and I think that, you know, through J6, I can tell you there's that icon of the circle where it says loading and the circle's going loading. This is like a miracle loading. And, and I've said this for three years now, and I'm going to keep speaking that into existence because I believe it. Um, you know, the first year on the anniversary, people only knew about Ashley Babbitt and they had that story wrong. And Pelosi was doing her first year anniversary tour at Congress and everyone let her, you know, keep, you know, doubling down on her lies, the whole sick Nick story about officer sick Nick and all that. But, you know, we kept on and the, and the J six community keeps putting the truths and we supplied tools and, and literature and posters and, and printable stuff that people could share and wear and care and, and tell their friends. And after the second year, people knew all the names of the people who had died, you know, and, and after the third year, it had become the topic, you know, in the beginning, people said, this is a no-go issue. No one's ever going to talk about it. It's taboo. You go to prison, the FBI gets you all these things. And now it's, you know, talked about it every news uh, broadcast everywhere, J6 something. And, and now the election is the topic, you know, so we're, we're looking at the growth of the truth because the, these J6ers have wanted this video out from day one because it not not that it exonerates every single person. Some people did dumb things, but it shows the whole story. And, and that's what nobody's understood. That last movie we did, J6, A True Timeline, shows the most of the whole story in an hour and six minutes. I mean, it's an amazing uh, collection of video you know, and, and that has opened a lot of people. There's several million people that have seen that, that did not understand what happened. So I think my point, Dan, it's like prayer is cumulative and God didn't waste our tears, says he saves them. He doesn't waste our pain, says that's all going to be, you know, rewarded or reimbursed. Um, I just think enough people didn't know what actually happened to have the proper emotional response to get vested, to understand that these are founding fathers material. These people who went and stood for us, the original election auditors, like David Clements calls them because they were, they went and said, Hey, we think there was a problem with the election. They also went for COVID and for the lockdowns and for the mask and for the schools and for the jobs and for everything that was going on. But that election was a big thing. And that was going on. And, and people were saying, please send it back to the States. And, and they were attacked by the police. That's the part that people are finally, after three years, understanding. You know, we put the short film out last October called A Thousand Days of Terror, five-minute film. We showed it on here. And, and it really shows what kicked off the crowd, changed the whole uh, attitude, the whole emotion of the crowd from a peaceful uh, you know, I, I don't know, celebratory, but, you know, peaceful. They weren't pushing and shoving and hitting and punching people. And, and, and when the police attacked the crowd, you could just hear the change and see the change and feel the tension in the air. And, you know, for an hour, you know, they were attacked like that. It, it, it was just amazing to get that point across to people and have it shared by some big names finally that after three years, the the persistence is the point that I really want to make is that, we have to do the work, you know, it, it, and the prayer is great. Yeah, we need to pray through it, though, and and keep praying as we go and as we work. It's really up to us, and, and I can't be more proud of the J6 community for carrying that when nobody else would. You know, mm -hmm. it, like I said, you and a few other people, 
And I think most of them are listed on our website. It's that easy to tell how many people supported J6 from the beginning because there were not very many. And and now to see the politicians using it for a tool for their talking points, for their brand, for their politics, is very disheartening because they're still not doing anything for the J6ers. Mm-hmm. That's where it needs to happen. They need to start saying, enough's enough. No more arrest. Freeze the cases. Freeze the courts. Look into these judges. Look into the perjury from the police that testify. Look into anything. Go to the jails. Visit the guys. Go to the courts. Listen to the trials. Sit in on these things. Witness what these judges are saying. You know, get involved with the families. Go to some events, which a few have, you know, and it's not been zero, but it's been close to negligible from all of our you know, supposed representatives that don't really represent the people or their interests or their needs or their pleas for help. And I'm telling you, thousands and thousands of people have contacted their congressmen and senators for three years and they've done nothing. I can honestly say that. What have they done? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What have they done? So, you know, frustration overload for a lot of people. I know that we want a reset in politics. I know that we would love to just see new fresh faces all through our political environment. You know, people that aren't going to be career politicians that, you know, people finally figured it out, man, that the uniparty is alive and well, it's them against us. We work for them. That's the way they like it. They don't work for us anymore. It's switched somewhere. We're just trying to figure out where and how, and how do we fix it? And, and I don't want to be, want people to be discouraged, but I want them to be active. I want them to feel it. And, mm-hmm. and be involved enough, you know, we tell people to give and and not until it hurts necessarily, but until you feel it, you should be aware that you're active, that you're involved, that you're a participant, not a, an onlooker, a bystander. You know, you need to be active. And, I, and I'm not saying politically active. I'm saying community, you know, with family, with friends, with the people in your, you know, surroundings because man this world is going in crazy places really fast the border issues terrifying when people really understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and how do we stand against that and and you know i don't know if people have ever seen uh that rodney king stuff back in the day in the 90s you know the the la riots a lot of people i guess forgot that are our age but the speed at which people can run down city streets is mind blowing. And if you had thousands of people that didn't like you running down the streets at full speed on foot, it's overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. and all the ammo in the world is not going to save you from a horde. (laughs) I'm just saying, you're going to run out not going to be able to relay. It's, it's going to be like zombie apocalypse on there. And we can't let it get to that point. That's the thing. You know, they, they keep talking about this and that, on our soil with civil war or attacks or whatever. We don't want that here, man. The American people as a whole, either side, we don't want that here. No, no. And we have to find a place where we can get together and talk about that so that the civil war isn't civil. Uh, what would you call it? The, the, the governmental rebellion, you know, let's just keep Un- the uncivil war. We'll the call uncivil. it the uncivil war. <laughs> I like that better. I like that better, but you know, I worry for people just, you know, their salvation, of course, their future, but man, it's going to get, you know, so much worse here before it gets better. If we don't get ahead of this thing and, 
we've never seen suffering, man. We don't know what that looks like, you know, and, and, and I don't want people to know what that looks like, but you know, we don't deserve anything. We have to work Mm -hmm. for everything and we have to work for freedom. Nobody's going to hand it to us. Our politicians do not stand to gain anything by putting power in our hands. No politician alive wants to give the power back to the people because they could end up in jail. And I don't care who you are as a politician. You've probably done something wrong. I'm sorry. Everybody does. And and there's probably that, that pain point somewhere. But that's the reality of it where we live. We just don't know how to fix it other than to step up into those positions. I mean, we have ideas. We, we have dreams. We have aspirations. We need to find out how to make those materialize, actualize you know, what we would like to see the direction of our country and, and take the proper steps to do that and get away from this red blue system that they control who gets into office. Dan, it's the same thing we've been saying forever and ever. Mm-hmm. They decide who gets on your ticket. They decide who gets in those bubbles. As long as you're filling out bubbles, they control you. Until you start writing in your candidate at the bottom, you're a loser. I'm just saying it's the way it's going to be because that's the people that they put in the bubbles. They make sure that a guy like me can't ever get into a bubble. But if a guy like me needs to be in office locally, let's say, let's organize. Let's get the community talking. Well, hey, everybody write David Summerall in the bubble. We don't want Billy. We don't want Mike. Neither one of those guys have done anything. They're, they're not, but David Summerall says he's going to work. Let's give him a whirl. Let's ride him in. I mean, guys, there's ways mm-hmm. to beat them at their own system. We just have to be organized and take the initiative and be willing to do something different. But that's the part. Is America ready and willing to do something different or not? Have they felt enough pain to get to that point yet? I'm afraid they haven't because there's still majority of people go along with everything that's going on. And it's just sad. They're still, you know, swept away by the Super Bowl, and they'll talk about that for weeks and wow, you know, all these things. And if you don't realize the the whole thing's a scam, you know, from top to bottom, everything that we look at in our lives is programming at this point. That's a scary mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. people need to wake up and smell the coffee and take a big old drink, get to work, you know, <laughs> get with uh- you're you're on with that, David. But I, you know, we go back to this, and that is God is giving us blessings, but there is no such thing as a blessing without sacrifice. He has told us, and I mean, the Bible uh, repeats it over and over. We will only be blessed when we are willing to sacrifice in His name. And it's just that simple. And the people in uh, positions now have not had to do that sacrifice. That's a problem. That is a problem because a lot of the people uh, think this is going to be a cakewalk and they should be able to get get by with uh, the... And I apologize. I'm having big-time camera problems. I have to keep going through this, uh, clicking my camera. I have no idea why, because my computer says it's in perfect shape. But uh, anyway, um, the- Well, I tell you uh, this, Dan, not, not to interrupt you, but I tell you that mm-hmm. the majority of these people that are J6ers are Christians. I, I think people have realized that by now. And you talk about sacrifice. That's sacrifice right. their families, their jobs, their careers, their circles, their churches, their schools, their lives, their cars, their houses. Their relationship, everything that these people have had has been systematically taken from them intentionally by the system, by the government, 
it's literally what do we call social terrorism. You can't get a job. You can't get a referral. You can't get any help. You can't get support. I mean, there's a few little J6 groups that have really carried the load in making sure that some of these people can pay their bills, that they don't get their power shut off, that their kids have school supplies. There's a lot of things, a Christmas program that we do with the mail project. There's so many different things that America, by and large, doesn't know. I hope that they would take action if they knew. It's been our job to try to make them aware of that. And the support's been great. But, you know, every time something happens like a convoy or a border issue or anything that is a distraction, the Super Bowl, you know, all these things take that little bit of support back away. And, and these people are left alone, you know, and, and all they did was stand for us. And, and I just want people to know that they had great intentions. Their morality may not be perfect, but whose is? But by and large, they're great Christian people that are trying really hard to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons, and that's why they went. Everybody asked, how can you be proud of January 6th? Because we didn't go to destroy everything. We didn't go to fight anybody. We went for the right reasons, and it got you know just taken from us. I mean, when you, when you attack a crowd of people like that, nothing's good going to happen from it. So it's an interesting... Uh, development, I guess you would say, of how it all, you know, has has washed out to this point. But I want people to know, by and large, these are good Christian folks, ex-military, ex-law enforcement, some current, and, and they're all just caught in a bad spot. You can't get military guys and police officers to attack police or to do bad things unless they saw something happening, unless they felt like it was necessary, unless they felt like it was uh, impending doom for someone like the Roseanne situation right. when she was murdered at that tunnel. You know, a lot of guys jumped in there and they're still sitting in prison for trying to defend her life. So that's a win. And, and I think that the exposure of that Christian element, statistically even, to know that the the the, the vast majority of these people are Christians that are going through this, tells you about the makeup of the people that went and their intentions of going and, and, you know, the prayer and the singing, the things that were happening, like the Middletons, you know, those are the details of the story that have been hidden from the public for so long. Um, that's why we call it Patriot Day, because it was so patriotic and so beautiful. And, and I really, I've seen that as one of those miracle loading things happen, is that everyone's calling it Patriot Day. And I understand there's a Patriot Day and a Patriot's Day. But that's 9-11 and I think the Boston bombing or whatever. These are real patriots that went, and, and I think it's appropriate that we honor them uh, uh, accordingly. But, you know, mm -hmm. what an experience. And I just want people to know the truth so they can tell their kids and their grandkids so this doesn't get, you know, whitewashed, you know, away. And that first film we did, Writing History, I think we understood what they were trying to do early on and how we needed to take steps to you know, combat the media narrative, you know, like they did to the Tiananmen Square. Literally 20 years later, if you talk about that in Japan, you still go to jail. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an amazing thing to think that that's what's happening. I mean, China. China, the yeah. Same thing happening here, just like happened in China. It's Is it the same players? Is it the same payroll? Is it China Joe? You know, it makes you wonder because it is literally the same playbook and uh, luckily, there weren't thousands of of people killed on January 6th. But, you know, enough's enough. How I many does it take mm -hmm. to wake up the American people to say, 
there's two people that died for your freedom and, and you're, you know, the American soldier and died for, and, and Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can add the J6ers to that list because they had no idea that that would be their last day on this planet. And it's amazing the sacrifice that people aren't even aware of, you know, so what a, what a moment, you know, good stuff. Well, David, uh, you, you know, you said something and this is so important. It really is. Look at the money that was spent for the Super Bowl. Look at the billions of dollars that are generated for a game, a sport, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the, the entire NFL is probably worth close to a trillion dollars, you know. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of money these teams sell for and the kind of payrolls that these people uh, get, you know. We're talking one athlete that might make uh, $80 million for a five-year contract. It's It's ridiculous. But yet, at the same time, we can't support uh, uh, 800 people who have given their lives for the country to to guarantee an honest and fair election that went to Washington, D.C., not to tear down the government, but to make sure that the government of the United States of America as a constitutional republic is guaranteed. That's what they were there for. And yet we can't come up with a million dollars to support their families and to pay the the utility bills so that they their sacrifice in prison is uh, the right thing. I, I tell you what, it embarrasses me that our country has such a skewed set of values that when you have truth seekers like you, and, and frankly, truth seekers like me and Juliet Engel and Thumper and the people who are here in the trenches every day trying to do the right thing, we have a heck of a time getting enough support to even pay the bills of running the shows that we do. I'm so glad that we're not in it for those reasons, because it would have been a short show, man. If oh, the, if boy. These- if these things weren't self-funded, I'm a carpenter. I still probably mm-hmm. have paint in my hair, but I mean, it, it's just one of those things that we do because we care. And, and I want people to think about this for just a minute. What if uh, George Washington was sitting in jail right now? Would you write him a letter? Would you send him a dollar? Would you help him with his commissary? Would you help Martha back at the house to support her while George is in prison? because of what he did against the government. I mean, that's where we are, folks. These are founding fathers, material people that won't bend the knee to a tyrannical system and they're willing to pay the price. They could say, okay, okay, fine. Biden won. Trump's a liar. I took the bait. Let me go to re-education camp and let me do some home confinement and and wash your hands and everybody's happy. They get the points on the board for the government. Okay, bad, Trump, bad, Biden, good. And they could go home. But you know what? They're they're saying, no, Mm -hmm. I didn't do what you say I did. I went for the right reasons. I didn't attack those people. The video will show it. Please show the video. And then when you show the video, the judge either, ah, we're not going to let it in court or the jury says, we don't care. 
you're bad people. Everyone else is guilty. We're going to find you because it's DC. You're never going to get a fair, you know, 92% vote for Biden or higher, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, if I took a BLM or from Seattle or Oregon or somewhere or Antifa and said, okay, we got 20 of you guys, we're going to take you all down to Texas and that's where your trials are going to be. And, and it's going to be fair because it's a jury of your peers. I mean, they're Americans. You think Antifa is going to get a fair trial in Texas or a BLM guy, a fair trial in Texas? I hope not. Well, they're not going to get it in D.C. There is a badge of honor to put a J6er in prison to them. They're like, oh, yeah, these people, they're terrorists. They need, you know, listen, I think 30 percent last poll, 30 percent of D.C. people think that the death penalty should be on the table for J6ers. Isn't Tell that me ridiculous? That is. Yeah, it's that, a- it's insane the levels of insanity. So what we have to look at is the media machine, the the controls, the narratives, the politicians spouting their hateful rhetoric daily, and the fact there's no filter for that. Now you get on social media, they'll filter out all the truth and filter out everything we're we're trying to tell people. That's the problem. So I think Americans would, by and large, write George Washington a letter if they knew George was in jail and what he was in jail for and that Martha needed help. They'd throw a couple of dollars in for her. They'd throw a couple of dollars in for his commissary because this is George Washington, man. This is the dude that crossed the river at Christmas (laughs) instead of saying, you know, Martha's got some chores at home, guys. And, and uh, you know, we've been doing so much and I've been running around and I'm, I'm broke, man, you know, in crops and it's cold. And dude, it's Christmas. Come on, man. Martha is going to kill me. If, <laughs> come on. We, we got to just stay home tonight. Can we go tomorrow? I mean, they're not going to be ready for us tomorrow either. No, George didn't say that. George put himself in harm's way for the good of the American future, just like these J6ers did. Golly, man. It's the same thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. we owe them some honor. We owe them some respect. We owe them some money. We owe them some time that they will never, ever get back. We owe some of them their lives. That's how serious it is. Oh, no. And I got to tell people while, while I can, stophate.com slash J6. There's calls to action, probably 15 or 20 calls to action from prayer to letter writing to contacting your senator or congressman to getting the copy of the book, you know, things that support these J6. The Department of Defense has all their give, send, go accounts. You can find them. You go to the Patriot Mail Project, find them by state. There's a lot of different ways people can help. I just, every time I come on here, Dan, man, I I know I sound like a broken record. Same thing. Stophate.com slash J6 slash J6 slash Jake. These people need help so bad. Oh, they do. They they do. And the thing is, there are a few grifters out there who have uh, tried to make a a hobby out of making money off of everything. Uh, But I guarantee you, well, I get not guarantee you, I guarantee the American people, there is nothing even remotely dishonest about what you're trying to do for the J6ers. I know of no one who has gone to the extent that you have. You've literally taken bread out of your own family's mouths to help support this program. I think you absolutely deserve the audience to get on board with this thing and protect these patriots who have stood up for you. 
I was at January 6th myself. I did not go to the Capitol. I was at, at the Ellipse. Uh, and we saw the Antifa people, and I'm sure there were some FBI and other people in the crowd. We identified them because it was so unlike any other Trump event that we had ever been at. We, and I, I've been to a bunch of them. And uh, everything was so peaceful, and you could tell who was a who was a Trump supporter, who was a real uh, J six person, and who was there to stir up trouble. And I'm telling you, uh, the, the you know this thing was staged. The proof now uh, is pretty obvious that Clay Higgins interview with uh, uh, Tucker Carlson talking about the two hundred plus. And believe me, I think it was probably double that amount. But in fact, at least 200 FBI and uh, people involved in the intelligence community that were in the crowd to stir up trouble. It was a train wreck. It really yeah. was. And I just want people to educate themselves. And, you know, don't take the bait. Go watch... Uh, there's four documentaries at stophate.com, all free, top of the page. Just go to stophate.com, and they're in reverse order. So you watch the top one, it's the most recent. Go down to the bottom, it's the earliest one we put on. But watch them all. I mean, you'll, you'll invest about three hours total, and it'll be worth it to give you a whole new perspective of what actually happened on January 6th. We don't heavily edit anything or try to you know skew anyone's. We just show the video from the day and try to explain what's happening. So I encourage people to go see for themselves, and then take that next step and get involved in someone's life, make a difference, write a letter, adopt a J6er through American Patriot Relief, or go to American Gulag and, and buy a book and read some of their letters from prison and, and get your feet wet. Go to the mail project and adopt one and send them a letter and say, hey, I'm going to help carry you through. So mm -hmm. then you find their gifts in, go, you send them a couple bucks for the family, you write them letters in prison, they write you back. It's a really neat thing the way this works when Americans mm -hmm. support Americans. And Dan, brother, it's always good to see you, man. I really appreciate <laughs> all the support you've always given me and, and the J6ers. You're uh, an extremely gracious person for doing that. I appreciate everything. And, and I, I tell people all the time, and I don't know if they realize that, but when nobody else would talk about January 6th, you gave me an opportunity to do that. And it made a huge difference. That's where the first documentary came from because you asked me to come speak at an event and I was too scared. And I was like, I'll just make a film that'll take up most of the time. And, and y'all say, you can't show that film. There's no way, <laughs> but that's where it came from. And you know, I know. the rest is history, man. And I can't thank you enough for helping me a part of that. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier in the event. We have a responsibility to uh, do what we can for one person. And that one person will meet another person and do the same. And that's exactly, see see what I'm saying? This is exponential. Yes. Goodness uh, will grow on itself as long as we have the faith and the understanding of our purpose in the world. And yes, there will be sacrifice, but it's part of the game. It's part of the plan. And God is not going to give us blessings unless we're willing to sacrifice in his name. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, a lot of people have sacrificed on January 6th. They continue to do so. Bless their hearts and their time for doing that and, and support them as best you can, people. 
and uh, just try to get involved. You know, it's that crazy dance video. I don't know if you've seen that, Dan, but that one guy gets out there at the concert in the grass and he's doing this stupid, crazy dance and everybody kind of looks at him and it's the second guy that gets out there with him and he starts doing this crazy dance too. And, and then three people and four people, but it's the second person. So you don't even have to be the first guy, the front guy, you know, the, the, I have a best friend named David Snow and he's my second person. You know, I'll do the crazy stuff, but he'll back me up. And that's where the momentum comes from. Just find somebody that's doing the right thing and back them up. They'll continue to do it. You'll come along. Other people see that. More people get involved. Do it with your church. Do it with your community. Do it with your local group that you're in. And, and make that a thing, man. And it's exciting. It's going to be a part of, and it helps a lot of people. Dan, God bless you, my brother. Well, thank you, my friend. And incidentally, uh, you may want to listen in, if you can, a little bit, because Juliet Engel is going to be talking about her friends in Russia. Uh, as you well know, Juliet was a victim of MK Ultra. Her family were CIA operatives and uh, some of the original CIA operatives. And uh, she was a victim of MK Ultra from the time she was six years old and ended up in Russia as a, uh, a pediatrician uh, trying to help them with the medical system in Russia, and then became part of a group called Angel, Angels uh, over Moscow, Angels, uh, the Angel Coalition, to save all these young people from human trafficking after the wall fell. And uh, she's gonna talk about her relationship with so many Russians. We're gonna talk about the Tucker Carlson interview with Putin, and we're gonna talk about her, her friends in Russia. And I, you have to hear this because they are so concerned that Americans have lost their soul. Yes. And she's gonna talk about that. I How believe I believe I met her in Florida uh, last January, a year ago, if mm -hmm. if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. I that believe so. That is great. Well, listen, okay. you have a great show. I'm going to tune in and listen, brother. It's good to see okay. you. Good to see you, my friend. God bless you for all you do. Keep doing it. Uh, don't lose faith. And uh, people, order the American Gulag Chronicles. Read about the experiences of these people trapped in a system that is nothing short of being a political prisoner in the American gulag system. Thank All you. right. Thank Take you. Uh, Julia, good to see you. Uh, everything uh, we were just talking about is so pertinent now because you're going to talk about what happened with um, the, uh, the interview between uh, Putin and Tucker Carlson, and then you've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of email from friends in Russia who are concerned about the American people and what our perspective of that interview is. So I'm I'm really excited to hear what you've got to say about that. Did you notice that the very last word that said in the interview was "soul"? Yeah, yeah. Is my internet working okay? I'm getting 
notices yeah, I'm unstable. We, you know, we've had a lot of uh, internet problems recently. I've had all kinds of problems with my camera. It locks up. I, I don't know what it's all about. I think uh, the fact is, is part of the problem is because we're speaking truthfully. So I'll just put my picture on screen for now. And, um, uh, you know, they're, they don't like the message. And I, by they, I mean the system does not like the message that we're bringing to the American people. So uh, we may have some technical issues, but that's, that's okay. We'll deal with it as we have to. So uh, please, you know, d d do whatever you can with the interview. Thumper, uh, have you ever seen two more uh, wonderful, passionate people in your life? No, David has been passionate about J6 and everything that he's done there. And uh, I am very, very interested to see what Juliet is hearing from Russia, from the people over there, and their perspective on what's going on here. That should be very interesting. Well, I think you know this. Uh, Juliet uh, has been in touch with the Russian uh, Ministry of uh, Information. I'm not sure the, the absolute correct title to that, but uh, she's been talking with them for over a year and uh, is trying to organize a trip uh, over to Russia. Uh, I've been very graciously invited to be part of that trip by Juliet. Uh, it's uh, it's a little scary, but not because of the Russians. I'm I'm more afraid of uh, our own uh, so-called intelligence and uh, law enforcement agencies in this country because censorship has become such a huge part of the American way of life. Yeah, and we can't have you over there eating uh, you know uh, four dollar McDonald's burgers either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. saw Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Juliet, uh, welcome to the program. Let's try it. Let's see how things are going. Am I on? Is it working? Boy, they really don't want me to talk. I'm, no, you're, uh, you're, you're coming too yeah, fine yeah, now. Yeah, the put interview and, uh, and uh, hearing the Russian, my contacts are with the International Relations Committee of the Russian, also with the... Uh, you'll see her. She's the official spokesman for the foreign ministry. And uh, Thumper, are, are they you, were very uh, curious to know how, how we perceive the interview. Um, okay. Um, uh, Julia and I, I, I'm, I don't know if frozen. it's my internet or your internet, but I'm having some problems uh, hearing you. You're kind of cutting in and out. Uh, Thumper. Uh, Dan, it's kind of, it's happening to everybody. I just, we had a little screen wobble myself, so we're just going to have to uh, soldier through, I think. Okay. I think we're actually in the sweet spot of the New World Order. That's, that could well be. Well, I, I, the, the Russian reaction to the interview was extremely interesting. First of all, the, the translation was extremely good and uh, the interview. Okay, because, good. Uh, Russian idioms are nothing like American idioms. People talk naturally. You need a very, very good translator. And the translator to English obviously had been in the United States and vice versa. So it was very good. I think it was very, very clear 
Um, Putin was criticized for giving a lot of, by Americans, by giving a lot of historical information to start with. Um, but I think those two things kind of uh, show the necessity for giving the historical information because you can back you know, thousands of years. So this, like the Middle East, like going into the Middle East and what's happening there, well, you can't. And, and uh, uh, all kinds of, of, uh, of uh, factors. And Putin wanted to get that. And, and he did that. This is in that, although he was surprised that Tucker didn't know more. I did know more that Tucker did it uh, because he took the part of the American truck driver, the American, every man, you know, um, the uh, what for Americans, what Putin's thinking and saying. And Putin, on the other hand, expected very deep questions, like specific questions about the ISIS and in in. Uh, Syria and and uh, the situation with Ukrainian settlers in in it, these questions were very uh, sought and um, but I and I've said this that I think it's it's it was what Americans needed to hear that that there was no point in going deeper than that. Well, um, we're uh, Julie, we're still here. It is still cutting out, but I don't see how we can. Uh avoid that. Uh, it looks to me like they're, uh, the powers that be are trying to keep your voice as uh, silent as possible. We're obviously uh, touching on an area that is uh, very sensitive. The fact is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this, the fact is, is I do not believe that uh, the Russian people uh, want to uh, go to war with the United States. I don't believe that Putin wants to go to war with the United States. I believe that if there is an antagonist in this process right now, uh, I think it's Joe Biden. And I think it is a Congress that is uh, promoting a country that uh, may or may not deserve the kind of promotion that it's getting. Let, let's start there. Well, it's, it's, uh, this is NATO's war. And Tucker Carlson asked the question, would you invade a NATO country? And Putin said, no, why would I do that? He asked if, if Russia would invade Poland. And, and Russia said it would only attack Poland if Poland attacks Russia. And that's the background that he gave. Wow. I, that's amazing. I think, uh, Juliet, I think you just uh, got knocked off. Okay, uh, now uh, it looks like you're back. I, <laughs> this is going to be a tough interview, but that's okay. Let's do it anyway. And uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Let's continue to do this. You were, uh, you were knocked off briefly. Think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. I mean, by now, a billion people have seen that interview around the world, yeah. and they've heard what I just said. I'm not making this up. And and uh, the history that he gave illustrated that Russia has infinite patience. For interesting things happened after that interview, and uh, I didn't do 
that because he is so highly connected. He's so well known. And what he did was courageous because certainly now, but if something happens to him, it will go high profile that it, it uh, will backfire. So, yeah. Am I on? Yeah, so you are. Uh, it's skipping a little bit, but let's just keep going with this. Uh, you, you've had a lot of contact from uh, different Russian people that you okay. worked with on the Angels Coalition uh, in stopping or at least uh, trying to stop human trafficking in uh, the former Soviet countries, including some of the satellite countries, which Ukraine was one, and right in the heart of the human trafficking effort was Ukraine. Am I uh, misstating that in any way? No, that's true. And, and uh, 1990, 20, when I, I moved back to the States, but I, I watched the transformation between Ukraine uh, the West, as soon as the Soviet Union fell in 91 and co collapsed, the, the, you know, the carpet beggars that come in after wars and take evaluation, they were all over Russia and Ukraine. I'm talking about Americans. Uh, a lot of people who in the current, in the 1990s in Russia, because uh, they were pushing and, and uh, American way and, and, Russia fell for it and lost, had, went into a huge financial crisis, lost billions of dollars in economic freefall. And that included $40 billion that went, that was stolen, that went to Harvard University, which equity included, had these huge endowments. And a lot of it came from the, the theft of Russian money. Anyway, so off, off of the liberalism, but you raised it completely. Ukraine went woke and and uh, considered itself superior and going has been competitive. But but Russia at about the in the early two thousands went conservative. Russia, the name of the translation of the name of of President Putin's party is Russia first, and and um, the. Ukrainians, on the other hand, went completely liberal. Russia canceled whatever it is movement. The the a very clear revelation for me was the role that the Clinton Foundation played in all of this, because uh, I ran into pushing in Russia, but he was also pushing the Clinton Foundation as well as the Global Fund were pushing these in Ukraine as well, and. Ukraine embraced liberalism and led to Nazism, and it led to mass repression. And right now, Russia is moving into uh, of of eastern Ukraine in attempted Russian genocide, <clears throat> and they found torture chambers where civilians were were <laughs> here. My internet's going. The Russians, when they went in, just this just the last few days, have found these these. Uh, Old prisons were that were filled with civilians who were tortured, um, and you know at the end of the interview, Putin gave Tucker, and I think a lot. Of, I I also have given that all to Donald Trump, and um, information about uh, what the Nazis have done, what the Clinton Foundation has done, what the Global Fund has done, 
what the International Organization of Migration has done, what the United Nations has done, and you know, dozens of, of branches of the deep state that uh, we don't even know the names of. So I think the, the overall takeaway from the interview was it was a huge success in both countries. We've been in citizen journalists who have more, a wider audience than mainstream media, you know, it's of Russia, Tucker went to Moscow, but the, you know, it's a huge country. There's all opportunities there uh, to talk to people, to see people, to eat the food, to, to go to the churches, to see the worship, to see the different religions and groups. So follow-up is, is important. And I hope you'll be part of that. So am I, am I still on? Yeah, you are. It's kind of skipping, but that's I can't okay. Tell. We're, we're, we're doing what we're doing, and that's the best we can do. Um, Julia, the, the, uh, something that you've brought up many, many, many times uh, in the past when we've done these interviews is that the Russian people are afraid for Americans' soul, uh, for the fact that we have gone so far from being a Christian nation in so many ways, we still have a lot of good good people here, so I'm not saying that. But uh, the Russian people under Putin have reestablished the Russian Orthodox Church and uh, what I refer to as the uh, Eastern uh, Orthodox uh, Catholic Church, you know, it's basically uh, the Byzantine uh, sect of the uh, Catholic Church was what a lot of the, uh, the Orthodox Russian Church came from. And uh, it was eliminated in the past by the, uh, um, you know, by the communists, uh, under the communist system, and brought back by Putin. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, Putin brought back much of the uh, the Christian church, the Russian Orthodox Church, and they built a lot of new uh, churches in Russia uh, since Putin uh, became the, the leader. Am I off base on any of that? No, no, that's correct. But the Russian Orthodox is not Catholic. Two political entities that fight with each other also, and and has been the reason that Poland has repeatedly invaded Russia, because they're Catholic and Russia is ortho Orthodox. So mm -hmm. I mean the history, the history going of Christianity in Russia. But yes, uh, all of those religions, including Catholicism, but mainly Russian Orthodox. Uh, religion is is uh, has had a total blossoming and interestingly enough um there's actually more methodists in russia than there are orthodox and uh the reason for that is i think is is that congregation or or school uh russian orthodox is much more uh, formal and blessed so poor villages don't have the capacity to build an orthodox church and all religions that were legal at the time or were, were present in Russia at the time of the revolution were legalized under the new Russian constitution. 
So there's there's many, many sex. It includes Baha'i, it includes um, uh, all kinds of, don't allow everything to come in because they had satanic cults and pagan pagan religions and a number of, of bizarre started up as the was lifted. And they had a much better footing in Ukraine than, than in Russia. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the number is 30,000 new churches and synagogues or re- reconstructed churches and synagogues in Russia and Muslim mosques since the um, started his, his uh, in the early 2000s, started rebuilding the infrastructure of Russia. It's, um, the Pope of the the and how it got to him was it, it was taken out during the revolution and by a private party uh, until such time as it could be returned. And uh, this private collector, who nobody knows who it is, dying, um, gave it to him and said, please, when Russia is open again, take it back to Russia. But Pope John Paul made the condition. He said he told the Russians he would bring their icon back, but he would only bring it back when Catholicism returned and and dominated. So that that fracas mm. went on for many years. Eventually, um, the Pope returned it without these conditions, and now it's back in Moscow, and you can go see it at the mm. Kremlin about that amazing country. Mm-hmm. Um. Julia, um, you, you know, I know you've been getting a lot of uh, uh, emails back and forth from different folks you know in Russia. Um, what's their attitude about uh, Putin's speech? And I, I, if you said something about that earlier, it was uh, cut off enough that I didn't really hear the response. But I know that... Uh, they were uh, they had differing opinions from maybe what Americans have about uh, Putin's program, and I'd I'd like to hear the the Russian people's perspective. Well, I think pretty universally they were disappointed that uh, Tucker didn't ask in depth questions, and that the the questions were pretty simple, and and they considered it. It's a sort of a very elementary stuff and understanding about Russia. And what I said earlier is I think Tucker did a brilliant job because he he became he became the the average American level of knowledge about Russia and asked Putin wanted to answer as if he was speaking to a foreign diplomat. Um, but uh, I think his answers were, brilliant. Um, the Russian people want to continue the dialogue. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Putin was, I, I don't know who he spoke to, but he had an interview, a Russian journalist to talk specifically about it, what he really wanted to say. And he thought that this information would get to America. I don't, it didn't um, have the information that he wanted to give Tucker about the, what they found in Ukraine when they, when the Russian troops went in and uh, uh, Donetsk, uh, when they raided the uh, underground facilities for um, 
producing bioweapons and for adrenochrome production and and organ transplants and all all that are going on uh, inside Ukraine and down there and arrested by the Russians. So I, I think it's my guess, but I think that's what's in those, that packet of information. Mm-hmm. Well, um, did uh, <laughs> well, what was um, what was the ultimate um, offshoot of this? Are we going to continue? These uh, this dialogue and this open discussion. Do you think we can uh, open up? Because frankly, I think the globalists and the powers that be are very, very determined to uh, create good guys, bad guys, create as much division as humanly possible uh, to fracture and isolate various segments of our society. And uh, to do it in a way that doesn't allow the uh, average people of the world to come together in a meaningful way to identify who the real enemies of humanity are. And frankly, I think that's the globalists. I think that's the, the people who are now trying to create the international uh, one world economy. I think that's true. And I think that a lot of you were talking about like the huge salaries that NFL gets and the and the huge amounts of money running through these institutions, like millions. Like they're just throwing cash in. I think they're all money laundering. I think that's why they're hiring just any old producer. They don't care what's what's turned out or whether anybody watches it. This is all money laundering. I don't know what for. But what's funding the immigration? It could be what's going to IOM because the United is moving millions and millions of people, not just to the United States, but all over the world. I I don't know. I'm I'm speculating on on this, but wondering works firsthand through the migration. Um, people might not be getting all this money that that uh, support to the NFL franchise or to the movie productions scheme. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that would get me cut off right there because I can tell you firsthand that they did it to us, to our organization. We supposedly received very large grants from the, we were receiving money from the uh, office to monitor and prevent human trafficking. And uh, we were receiving like a, a maybe $200,000 a year to do the Angel Coalition project receiving a lot more than that. It was millions. And we had money to support two employees, but we were listed as having like 16 employees where they went. What what uh, and and this was all because we were forced to take our money through the International Organization of Migration, who were supposedly supposed to be helping us and running our books and and uh, overseeing our small, I mean $200,000 to run an underground railroad is nothing. And how this whole deep state gives grants, hundreds and hundreds of grants, showing millions and millions of dollars that the recipients never get. Right, right. Carrying uh, a large part of the business operations off books, the, uh, 
they told you that they were managing the books of your organization for you when in fact like you say and I it was kind of skipping in and out but I'm going to uh, I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, you were running your entire operation on $200,000 a year for the Angel Coalition in Russia and uh, in that part of the world. But in fact, the UN was showing that you were receiving millions of dollars, even though you didn't see any of that money and have no idea where it went. Right. And that we had a dozen employees that we didn't have and that we had enormous because they showed it to me once by mistake. And, and, uh, we never, they weren't accountable to us at all, but we were accountable to them. And, uh, eventually that's what forced us to leave Russia was just the, the constant pressure of other nightmare story, but I'm sure it's happening all over. And I'm sure this is, how much who knows where <laughs> and is spent by who knows. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, Juliet, the, um, and it, the Russians and did... didn't force you out of the country. Uh, this was, you left Russia because of oh. the UN manipulation of the whole process. It was a combination of, of that and that it, it constantly ate away and less well, while nominally we had more and more employees and expenses that that was actually the UN's expenses. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so we were being whittled down at the same time from the Russian mafia and uh, that uh, had really protected us um, and and I really had to leave. They wanted me to get in their colleague but that moment things but it was a combination of the the mafia and the uh, UN. No, we weren't threatened by the by the Russian state structure. In fact, we were quite protected. Yeah, this is um, you know, I it, it's going to be a hard uh, hard thing for people to uh, come to terms with. But I'm going to ask you this point blank: if there is a a good, a good guy and a bad guy in this. Who are the bad guys and who are the good guys? Oh, gosh. I think, I think, uh, I don't think I should answer that. <laughs> you know who the bad guys are. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's the, it's seven mountains of culture. You know, you know, when Jesus was, was tempted by Satan for 40 days mm -hmm. and, uh, this, this may be from the Satanic Bible, which is what I was raised on, but Satan tempted Jesus by showing him seven mountains. The entire, so this is like 2,000 years ago they were writing about this. This is culture, uh, entertainment, communication, industry, um, farming. So there's there's seven major institutions upon which Satan in the world of, of human interaction. And uh, there's where the blitz, the bling, the money, the, the, um, the gifts are, the, the, the facelifts, the, the beautiful hair, the glamour on the walkway, all of those things. And that's offered to every human being, you know, the, the of culture. 
or do you keep your soul? Because in order to have the glitz, the bling, the fame, the the easy money, the good life, you have to give up your soul. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what Putin said, soul. In fact, it, I think it was the last word he said that that uh, the importance of the world is, is for people, the world, our soul to soul, not mm-hmm. money to money, not word to word, but soul to soul. So I think he gave us the, the golden gift, which has nothing to do with gold. And uh, so I'll leave it at that. The bad guys are promoting the seven mountains of culture. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I would I wish go I along that. with that. I'm, I'm disappointed, but, uh, you know, the fact is, is that... Uh, there are a lot of people falling for it. And uh, I, I don't know if you uh, saw or heard the latest speech by Javier uh, uh, Malay from Argentina before the World Economic Forum, but he, he pretty much laid open the reason that uh, the capitalist system and free markets were the only salvation for the world and that collectivists and communists were destroying the lifestyle of people that had been advancing for the last 200 years. And that if they continued down the path of collectivism, uh, they were going to destroy the world. I Really an interesting speech. And the fact that he did it at the World Economic Forum, it shows that maybe there are cracks in the system and maybe uh, the the wheels of progress are turning in the right direction. Well, I think I think the the mountains of culture are collapsing. Our institutions underneath their own weight. Our economy is going over a cliff. It's just being hidden from us. When that happens, it all goes out. And at that point, then human trafficking virtually uncontrollable. And at that point, we need to be. Uh, prepared for that. So I've, I've been in our country, Our Choice, which was organized by Colonel Doug McGregor, and I want to get you two together, but uh, it's it's uh, a national questionnaire so that people can feed in what's happening in their own communities, and more importantly, what's happening, because uh, we can get hard data from police departments, from FBI. We need to know what people are seeing and what people are thinking is going on, and then we'll start to establish, when we get you know millions of pieces of data, we'll start establishing a map of, of who's doing what, where, and where the maximum points of vulnerability are, and then uh, organizing. And there is no money for this. There's no government money for this. There's no support for this. This is from volunteers and, and you. And I'll come from uh, grassroots and using the tools that we have, like uh, the internet, and like we're doing right now. The things that we can, can use is imperfect as they'll work. And um, so people should look at our country, ourchoice.com. And uh, and then when we're ready for participation, we'll ask people to participate because there is no information, there is no statistics on the. There there is once human trafficking has occurred, and so that's what I'm working on, and that's what our country, our choices, 
is supporting. I hope within months we'll have the questionnaire available for people good, in their good. information. Good. Uh, well, I, I, you know, again, I want our viewers to understand that uh, I think we are being uh, our our Zoom meeting is being hijacked a little bit uh, by the people that don't want Juliet's message to get out to the world. But as I said earlier, uh, Juliet, you are uh, a perfect example of someone who <clears throat> has been part of the system, saw how the sausage was made from the inside out as a small child going through the uh, the whole MK Ultra sex magic program and having escaped and having gone to Russia to help them with their uh, medical system, which was in free fall uh, just prior to the fall of the Soviet Union, and, um, and then stayed there to help uh, try to stop the human trafficking because as a young person, you had experienced it yourself and were very concerned about the direction that uh, the country was going, Russian country was going, and wanted to make sure that you stopped as much of the human trafficking as possible. In the process, you made many friendships, many connections. And in fact, uh, you mentioned in an earlier program that you actually met uh, Vladimir Putin when he was a, a kind of a unknown uh, when you uh, were in an airport together and you happened to uh, sit next to him and visit with him a little bit about uh, uh, where he was heading and where you were heading. Um, and you determined at that time that he was pretty much just a regular guy uh, and, uh, you know, that he wasn't some scary individual. <laughs> but uh, also that you're, you know, you're a pragmatist. You realize that when people get in positions of power, sometimes they abuse that. Uh, but what what's your final take on... Putin's outreach program uh, to T Tucker Carlson and the American people. I'd I'd like to. What what's your your final outtake? Where are we heading from from here? What do you think uh, his ultimate goal was? Well, I think his goal was to tell the truth about Russia. I think his goal was to tell us a lot more than we heard. And I think Tucker very wisely guided the interview because I don't think Americans are ready to hear the whole story. So I think it's important for people like us to to follow up on that. And while people are interested of our lives, this is the future of Christianity. I mean, we're a Christian nation. Russia is a Christian nation. The white race is under attack. There's a almost 200 million white Christian Russians who are ready to be our ass and friends, we were, we are being artificially divided and convinced to fight each other. And that's what, that's what was done. And, um, I, I had several people who were friends of mine at the Capitol who said they heard, uh, Ukrainian being spoke back to that, uh, they were trying to create another Maidan situation there, another revolution that was stopped. Um, 
And I think that the, the, their plans were partially fulfilled and they're taking it out on the J6ers so that they can get their hands on. But they're, they're, the plan for devastation and the breakdown of the entire country were thwarted by who, by how, I don't know. But, but it, up until the moment that uh, the violence broke out, situation in, in Medan and Ukraine, and there's a whole story there we don't know. It could have been much, much worse than it was. And uh, I think the Russians would have discussed this. I think they will discuss this. I think we'll learn because they were doing it in Ukraine. I think we'll learn about uh, organ harvesting and these kinds of things. You know, I'm not saying Russia's perfect. I'm not saying that that state and saying that that I'm not a saint. I mean, we need to to open these lines of communication, and uh, every time parading us, it's a victory. Um, can't let it happen. Doesn't need to happen. And that's what I have to say. Keep your soul and uh, keep your eyes open. Keep your heart open. And don't be fooled by the mountains of culture. Well, it's a fair, uh, a fair assessment of the whole thing. I lost everyone. No, no, you're just kind of cutting yeah, in and out, Juliet. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we're we're doing the best we can for our audience, and hopefully they hung in there with us to hear as much as much of this message as they could. Um, the the uh, the war in Ukraine right now, uh, you, you know, you have a lot of sources. We have a lot of sources. I think the fact that uh, the war has gone so badly for the Ukrainians, in spite of all this massive uh, military uh, assistance from the United States and some of the other um, European countries, uh, part of the reason that it's gone so badly is because of some of the corrupt leadership in that country. Um, I just read an article about a, a uh, an American journalist who died in prison from pneumonia in a Ukrainian prison because he was trying to report accurately mm -hmm. on what was happening in Ukraine. Uh, you talk to Colonel McGregor all the time. I, I, we are planning on having you and him on a future program together here on Connecting the Dots. But uh, please tell us uh, your perspective of how the war is going and uh, from all the information that you have, uh, what, what's on the agenda for Ukraine right now and what's the future of this war? Well, the the war is essentially over. This is all post mop up. This is a sloppy or a messy, unfortunate, really sad, bloody retreat that's going on right now. When the Russians broke through it, maybe you hear about it on the news. Avdiivka was the deep fortified multi-level base to bombard Russians. This is that in Yulia Timoshenko, who is um, vying to become the next president of Ukraine, declared a genocide on all Russians living in Ukraine. And uh, 
you've heard a lot about Donetsk. Donetsk mm-hmm. was, is the industrial heart of, of Ukraine, except for what they steal from the gas pipelines. But um, Avdiivka is in the western part of, of Donetsk, and, the, and with all the support of NATO, moved into that area and built a, a, an impenetrable, fortified uh, military base. Huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of civilian population of Donetsk. And this is why uh, Russia rebuilt its army. It didn't really have an army. It had demilitarized and... Um, Donetsk was begging for help from from Putin. The eastern part of Ukraine had always been part of it by ethnic Russians. They speak Russian. Um, with the Timoshenko, Poroshenko regime, they declared that speaking Russian was illegal and all Russians should be killed. I mean, literally killed. There was a declaration of act. Uh, people in Lugansk and um, the neighboring showed in, they fought. They they had referendums and voted to break away from Ukraine and Georgia. Russia said good. Ukraine said no and kept bombarding them. And uh, so that that was really the basis of all of the attempted negotiations. Um, Russia sat down with them in in Istanbul and in Minsk and parts of Ukraine and let the ethnic Russian parts join Russia. It was all agreed. 2020, yeah, it was 2021. And uh, the Ukraine signed an agreement, and then Boris Johnson flies in from England, from Great Britain, and, and says, absolutely not. No, told uh, Zelensky, you can't sign. We will bribe him. We will pri- supply you with unlimited cash, weapons, whatever it needs, but you need to keep fighting. So um, Boris Johnson denies this, but he's on film doing it. Uh, was when Russia ramped up. It hadn't really planned on ramping up. But now you have the situation where Russia now has an army of one and a half million trained, armed, and they're moving into Ukraine. So um, now that they've cleared out Avdiivka, which was a huge, bloody battle, and tens of thousands of Ukrainians died, thousands of Russians died, but it's over. So the Ukrainians are now running to the west, to the west, West Pearl River, and the Russians are coming in extra behind them. And I think then they'll move south, they'll take Odessa, and then they'll stop because they really don't want Western Ukraine. For them, it's ungovernable. And uh, now they may go the Nazis, the Azov Battalion fleeing Avdiivka. He was a Nazi. Zelensky is a Nazi, Sirsky is a Nazi, Budanov is a Nazi. So I suspect they will. So now the, the ball is completely in Russia's court. Any peace will be on Russia's terms. And NATO is freaking out because they basically proved that all of their equipment can be defeated by drones. And... Uh, so they need to perpetuate a war in some other place. So they tried Finland weapons to the border. So they came to their senses. Well, uh, Juliet, I, we are out of time. Yes. And I'm so sorry that we had so much uh, trouble with the Internet. We're, we're going to get this resolved one way or the other. I know they do not want your message getting through 
to the American people. You know, we've had all kinds of problems with the Internet recently, and uh, you've never had this kind of problem before on the Internet, but I know your message was important, and uh, I think that's a reason that uh, you're having so much trouble with your Internet. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get you back. We'll try it on another uh, another day and see if we can get a better message through. If you would not mind, I'll uh, get back in touch with you, and we'll try to reschedule another time uh, to have you on. So, And we may have this ongoing problem forever until we win back our country. But the fact is, America needs to wake up to the reality that uh, if we're facing censorship, we're facing more of it in our own country than anywhere else in the world right now, other than maybe uh, communist China, which happens to be behind a lot of what we're uh, experiencing. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. There ain't no doubt. 